That, that was spiritual. <laughs> Man, I could watch that stuff all day, couldn't you? Makes me just want to throw the football. Well, some of you got to put, there you go. Some of you got to put your head. I, I'm a huge sports fan. Anybody with me? Come on, huge. And this is, this is our time of the year where it's championship game, it's Super Bowl. I mean, all-star games coming up. NBA, Warriors, they're doing it. Man, they almost blew it the other night, but they did it. And so this is, this is huge. So today, I want to talk to you about getting in the game. I mean, I've even made my wife, we've been married 37 years, I've made her a huge sports fan. I convinced her a few years ago that on her birthday, we'd go to Florida for spring training. <laughs> on her birthday. And she bought it because it's Florida, it's sunshine, it's beaches, and I sold it really good. And, you know, we'd go watch spring training, and those guys would be, you know, right up close to you in, in the Grapefruit League down there. And some of you maybe have been over to Arizona, and you've watched spring training. And they bring in people in spring training, that this is what I love about it, that you've never heard of. They have one objective at spring training when you don't know the name on the back of the jersey. And some of them, they don't even have their name on the back of the jersey yet. Some of them have been called a few days before, drive all night, fly all night, get to the spring training. They have one objective, make the team. That's it. Do everything they can. Showcase every talent, every resource. Make the team. Get out there. Be on that final roster. Do whatever it takes. No play. No horsing around. Make the team. Well, we know that this week in our area, it's a big game next Sunday. Super Bowl. I got a, I got a Brady football here, as you can see. So, um, uh, well, he's not playing, so I stole the ball. And uh, big, big game. Super Bowl is the same way. Some of you that went right over your head, but you'll get it. Just ask somebody. And um, it's a big game. And these guys are showing up here, I think today, actually, in the area. And they're going to be guys that have worked for five months or longer, but especially the five months of the football season. And they have played hurt. They have played in pain. They're going to be some have stitches, some have cast on their arms, on their knee braced all up. But you can't get them out of the game. And you know what? They're playing for something that's not even eternal. Matter of fact, this time next year, we might not even remember who won the Super Bowl. We definitely won't remember who lost. They're, they're not even playing for something that makes a difference. Today, I want to bring you and I as the church to a plane to take you somewhere where you are making a difference. I want to get you in the field of play on a spiritual level. Will you let me do that? Let's go. So get your note sheets out, if you will. Get your Bibles out, if you will. I want to talk about doing everything we can do. By the end of the day, we want to answer a question. We're going to answer this question. What happens when everyone contributes? You see, for those guys to get in the Super Bowl, for those guys to get on the roster, when the coach says play, they can't just sit on the bench and go, uh-uh, I don't want to. They'll never make it to that level. They've got to get out there and do what they are called to do. So what happens when everyone contributes? We become champions. What happens when everyone contributes? By the end of the day, we want to answer that question. Acts chapter 6 is where we're at. So get your electronic Bibles. That's what I use. Get your paper Bibles. Get your notes out. Get a pen. And, and I'm going to ask you to contribute. Everyone jot a few things down today. Maybe something I said. Maybe something the Holy Spirit will say to you that I didn't even say through what needs to happen. Maybe God will tap you on the shoulder today and say, hey, it's time for you to contribute. Get in the game. 
So as we read these scriptures, let's remember that we've already been taught that God is our source. The power comes from him as our source to multiply. We've been taught that God has a purpose for the church in this series. We've heard that. We've been taught last week that you carry with you the mark of God's presence. So today, we want to kind of shift that, see something that happened pivotal within the beginning of the church. How many of you know that the church is not this building? Come on, raise your hand. You know that? In this building. The church is not the building sitting in that big lawn out in front. That's not the church. That's a building. You are the church. You make up the church. As a matter of fact, in the early church, the church that we're describing today, for probably the first 300, 350 years, they didn't have buildings. They didn't know this concept to meet on Sunday morning for one hour and go home and do their thing. They didn't know that. They met every day. They were in homes together every single night, breaking bread, praying, listening to teachings. They were giving of themselves to each other. That's what the church does. They were all contributing. So as we see in Acts chapter 6, it starts off in verse 1. On your note sheet, on the screens, in your Bibles, it says, As the believers rapidly, what's the name of our series? They multiplied. They multiplied, rapidly growing. But here's the issue. Here's the problem. Here's where we're going to focus for a little bit. As they grew, there were rumblings of discontent. Underline that. How many of you have ever heard rumblings of discontent? Come on, how many of you have ever heard that? Not just in the church, maybe where you work. If you've been married longer than three weeks, you've heard rumblings of discontent in a relationship. You were probably part of the rumbling, okay, of discontent. I didn't think it was going to be this way. I thought we were going to do this. I don't like it when we do that. Why isn't this happening? Wasn't Rumblings of discontent. So the Greek-speaking believers, they started complaining about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. It's a very important aspect to understand that there's nothing insignificant in the ministry, even the distribution of food. It needed the attention of the leadership. And so the 12 called a meeting in verse 2. And they listen, I want you to note something here. They called a meeting of all the believers. Huge to understand that. At this point, we're not just talking about five or 600 people. We're talking thousands. At this point in Acts chapter 6, the church was probably seven, eight, nine, maybe 10,000 people. And they called together this meeting of all the believers. It's important that you understand when there's something called to solve something, to share something, to give vision, that you're at it. This morning, pastor stood up here and said, hey, this is first Wednesday. Can you believe January is gone? But this is first Wednesday, and we want to show you the vision of where we're going, and where we're going is much beyond that building. Now, I know I'm going to step on your toes right now. Is that okay? Right up front, I'm going to just step right on your toe, make one of them hurt. Just one, I'll make it hurt. Some of you, when you heard that, it went right over your head and you've got other plans on Wednesday night. This is where you're going. This is, remember, this isn't about this building. This is where the church is moving toward. This is the multiplication of the church. When the pastor stands out and says, hey, this is important. This is priority that you hear what the vision is that God has given us to take us to this championship level, all the believers. And so they said, we apostles and continuing verse two should spend our time teaching the word of God. Our time should not be running a food program. And so brothers select, would you underline that word? We're going to talk about that. Select seven men who are well-respected, full of 
spirit and wisdom will give them this responsibility. Remember, there's no such thing as low responsibility within the church. There's no such thing. We're not big potatoes and little potatoes here. We're all mashed potatoes. Amen? That's what it is. There's a responsibility to take the church to the next level. He says, we've got to give them this. In verse 4, the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Verse 5, underline these first four words. Everyone liked this idea. Have you ever seen that happen before? Even in your family, somebody presents, hey, we're going to have game night. I didn't want to have game night. I mean, everybody liked this idea. Everybody say the word, everyone. 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 Look at your neighbor said, everyone means you. Everyone liked the idea, and so they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas. If anybody here is expecting a child and you need baby names... There they are. Write them down. If you're confused. And Nicholas of Antioch, an early convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid hands on them. Powerful principle. And so verse 7 concludes with the multiplication. So God's message continued to spread. Because they began to get everybody to contribute. God's message continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Multiplied. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I want us to go back now at this pivotal moment in verse 1. Because here is the first internal problem of the church. Since Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It had only been external problems trying to break up the believers. Now, the church is formed and we got an internal problem. That we need a solution. And when all the believers showed up. That was a powerful moment that they thought, because the leadership took note that there is an issue, they're not just going to listen to man come with the solution, because they needed a solution from the heart of God. Anybody here ever had a problem that you need a solution that came from the heart of God? There is no other way around it. There is no wisdom of men. God will use men and women to speak to you, but you know it needs to come from the heart of God. That's where they are. I mean, there's rumblings of discontent. To keep this on the level of sports parallel here, there's some people not getting enough playing time. And they're griping about it. There's some favoritism being showed. Why are they getting it and we're not? Why are they in the game and we're not in the game? And it's just hitting them. In any case of the matter here, there is a huge problem. Listen to me, folks. Internal problems will keep any team from playing like champions. Let me repeat that. Internal problems not solved from the heart of God, especially in the church. Remember, we're not talking buildings. We're talking people. And there's real problems here. Internal problems will keep any team from playing like champions. And God has called you to be a champion. If you've allowed God to infiltrate your life, you've surrendered your heart to him. He's called you a champion. His words are this. You are more than a conqueror. But with internal problems not solved from the heart and mind of God, you will never rise to play like champions. And if I might say so this morning with boldness, that may be the issue of the church, capital C, and why we're declining and not multiplying because we're not hearing from the heart of God and we have a lot of internal problems that we're not seeing what God can do in the midst of that. Are you with me? 
And we got to get this right. The church understood because they're growing like wildfire, rapidly multiplying. But as pastor said earlier, with growth, any growth comes problems. Anytime you start growing, you have one child, you go to two children, you grow problems. Anytime you grow as an organization, problems. How many of you know you grow in life another year, more problems? My knee hurts now worse than it did last year because I'm older. Problems. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Problems are a part of life. With growth comes problems. Look at Job chapter 14. How frail is humanity? How short is life? Have you realized that yet? How full of trouble. That's encouraging, isn't it? Life is frail, it's really short, and full of trouble. It's encouraging to know that we have the Bible to look to and say, we got a lot of problems. Can I give you a a, a truth right here as we jump in about problems, about trouble? You know, even in John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have problems. You're going to have stuff happen. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I want to give you a truth because we all have trouble. Life gives us trouble. If you don't have troubles today, I'm not a prophet, but I'm just saying it's waiting on you outside the corner of the building right out there. And we know that because life is about that. But I want you to see something from a different perspective today from the heart of God. I want you to hear something from the heart of God about problems and troubles. See, here's the truth. Our troubles, our problems all have a divine purpose. It's it's not that you didn't read your Bible this week so God's putting his thumb on you and there's trouble. No, 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 no. They have a divine purpose. Listen to the way Peter wrote it. And Peter, the apostle, one of the 12, knew this. Because he used his words sometimes without thinking. You ever do that? Just put your foot right in your mouth. And he said things that he didn't mean. Because he said at one point to Jesus, I'll go with you to the death. But he knew when it came down to it, he probably wasn't going to do it. And we know, reading in hindsight, he didn't. And he failed miserably. But from that trouble, from that problem, from that failure, he grew to write this in 1 Peter 5.10. In his kindness... God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So, after you have suffered, not if, amen? After you have suffered a little while, he, God himself, will restore. He will support. He will strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. That's the truth from the heart of God. Your problems have a divine purpose to give you a firm foundation. Because it's God that will support you. It's God that will restore you. It's God that will strengthen you. See, trouble will teach you lessons that you can't learn from any other place but the trouble. Trouble will teach you lessons that gets you to your destiny. That you wouldn't get there if you were just on cruise control. Are you with me? And too many of us in the church are just on cruise control. And every now and then, we need a problem so we can hear from God, get his support, put us on the foundation, and takes us to focus and prioritize what we're doing on the game field of life and in church so that we might multiply. The solution here was the pivotal moment in the growth and the victory of the church. 
This solution was huge. It would determine right here in Acts 6 whether they would multiply, here's my title, or die. Sometimes the solution to your problems, whether you're going to tackle it and see it as divine, will determine whether you multiply, grow, or you just stagnate right there. See, problems have the propensity to stagnate you or to grow you into where God, what God has already called you to be. So what's the problem here? Simple, not enough people contributing. Not enough people contributing. Not enough people in the game. Too many people in the bleachers. So they needed to select some people to get on here. Here's the problem. Leaders doing all the ministry. You ever heard this term, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work? You ever heard that? Now it's a little bit less. Hey, now it's 15% of the people doing 85% of the work. Why? Because in the modern day church, we pay people to do that. And that's the mentality. And they saw that as a mentality that could go forward as a problem, and they needed a solution. So what's the solution? The solution was call a meeting. Get everybody together so that they could get everybody involved. Everybody liked this idea. So they selected some men, and they brought them the solution that's resulted from the problem. So let's break this down to where we live today. There's a lot of scripture and there's a lot of stuff there that we can look at. We don't have time to really diagnose all of those seven verses. So I want to break down where we are as we have have 2016 today and what God wants you to hear in the practical way you live. And and it's, it's really difficult to believe that January's gone. Today's the last day. It's gone. So we need some practical solutions to some problems that was a problem in the church even As it started. And so let me say right off the bat, as you begin to take notes and begin to write this, that that as we break this down to where we live today, I want I want to brag on you because Crossroads Church, listen, you are a phenomenal church. I mean loads of people are involved. It's amazing to me the first time I walked into this church, I mean I wasn't in here for two steps and somebody said, What's your name? What? What are you talking about? I mean, right up in me. What is your name? I've never been asked my name as I walk two steps into a church at any church. Matter of fact, most places that I go to, nobody even speaks to me. Have you ever experienced that before? Not here. There are loads of people. What's your name? I want to put your name on your, I want everybody else to know your name. And there are people greeting me. There are people seating me. There are people in the parking lot telling me where I should park and what I should do. And and they were greeted and there's just people, loads of people are involved. My son-in-law and daughter came with us the first time we were here and they were taking their, our grandson over to the kids ministry. And it was just like everything. He walks out and says, Hey, this is awesome. My little three-year-old grandson loved the kids ministry, not because of what they did, but because of the people that were there. Are you with me awesome church loads of people that are already jumping in and doing it however for us to multiply for us to get our game up we need everybody to contribute not just loads of people all the people are you with me we need everybody to do it grow and expand all of them do you know what the word all means in greek all. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, that means you. Come on, that means you. You're not excluded here. Even the Greek means you. 
all. We need everybody. Everybody has to get on the playing field, guys. All of us. We need the leadership to take the ball and throw it. We need people out there on the field that can catch the ball and run with it. We need those people who catch the ball. Other leaders, life group leaders. We need people that catches the ball and takes it on their welcoming team. Sight and sound. Those are people who catch the ball and go. We, we need people who runs with the ball all over the place. That's the, the parking guys out there who are running. And we don't need parking teams. People say, well, what do you need parking people for? You got two white lines. I know how to park. It's not about putting you in two white lines. It's about somebody seeing you, welcoming you before you even walk into the building. We need people who will block. You know who those are? Ushers. I need you to scoot over. They see they open holes for us. If you, are you with me? Tell you where to go. We need people who will tackle. You know who those are? Children's ministry workers. There he goes. Go get him. Tackle him. <laughs> everybody on the playing field because we need them we all have to contribute and there's so many places that we can contribute so i want to give you today four practical reasons keeping it in this sports theme if you'll let me of why you should contribute are you ready number one here we go personalize it write it down i've been drafted today is draft day now, again, I'm a sports fanatic. I watch draft day. I want to see some of the guys. I'm a college football you know, follower more than I am a pro follower. I want to see where these guys are going, where they're at, get disappointed if they don't get and all that stuff. And growing up in the South with the Southeast Conference in college football, it was some of the best football in the country. I want to know where these guys are going. But today's draft day. You're here. And you need to say today, I've been drafted. Why? Because you are God's woman. You are God's man. He's had his eye on you. And he's had his eye on you, not just since you were conceived, but the Bible says he had plans for you even before he put the foundations of the earth here. He wants you in the game. He's drafted you in the game because he knows you can do it wherever he's placed you because he's placed you to be uniquely you. You know something? Uh, not arrogantly, you'll get this. You are looking at the greatest cow woods in the entire universe right here. You know why? Because I'm the only one. I'm unique, as my wife says. Thank you, Jesus. You, the world, can't, the world can't, can't take two of me. The world can't take two of you. That's why the Bible says Jesus put you here. You are uniquely you. You have his DNA in you for a specific purpose. You've been given a gift. You've been given the talents to go where God wants you to go. See, Cal, God says at the end of my life, he's not going to say to me, why, were you, why weren't you more like Peyton Manning? He's, he's not going to say to me at the end of my life, why weren't you more like Pastor Paul? And I just want you to know, I would love to be like Pastor Paul because he's the most encouraging pastor I've ever been around. This man has the gift of encouragement. And yes, we need to give honor where honor is due. Your pastor, wow. I, I, listen, I just need to tell you, I have never in my life 
And I've been in ministry for 31 years. I've never in my life heard a pastor come out and say to, to his people, to the people that God has given under his shepherding care, say what he said to you today. I have been praying for you all week. I mean, you, you don't need to suppose that. You heard him say he did that. I have been thinking about you all week and can't wait for you to be here. Man, I want to be more like that. But when I get before God, he's not going to ask me, why weren't you more like that? You know what he's going to ask me? Cal, why weren't you more like the you I created you to be? Because I put unique skills in you. I put unique gifts in you. And all you did with those gifts is sit in the bleachers. You never got on the playing field. There was so much potential in you. I had my eye on you, Cal. You see, if you don't do that as the church, you are a missing link. And, the, and, the, and that missing link keeps us as the church, as a team, from playing at championship level. Does that make sense, church? You're missing, and we, and we can't afford that. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. I don't know what you look at when you look into a mirror because you only see the physical. And I know there's been damage done in a lot of people's lives. But you know what God says? You are his masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He's created you in Christ Jesus so that you can do the things he planned for you to do Long ago. Long ago. So you've been drafted. Number two, you've been signed. Not just drafted. But see, when I accepted Jesus to be my personal savior, and I pray that if you haven't done that, today you have an opportunity to do that. You can say, hey, God, I want you to be my savior. You know, you know what that's saying? That's saying that I'm not in control of me anymore. I've signed. I've signed to play on your team. I've surrendered my rights to play wherever you want me to play, God. I've signed on the dotted line. See, God, in, in, like every owner that we know in, in, in the whole sports arena, made huge sacrifice. The biggest sacrifice that any owner could make for any player. He gave his only son for you. And so with that, I mean, I, where do I sign? I want to be on this team. And so many people, they, I hear them say, well, I know I'm drafted, I've signed, but I don't have what it takes. I, I'm not sure that I can do it. No, listen, once you're drafted and once Jesus infiltrates you and he becomes your savior, the Bible says he's given you divine power. Listen to what Peter says again in chapter one, verse three of his second letter. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Would you underline that? Everything I need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, signing that line, surrendering our life, making him our owner, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. See, we've been drafted. We've signed on the dotted line. Amen? And I hope today, if you haven't done that, that you would hear that the love of God is for you, not against you. You are his masterpiece. He breathed into you the purpose, which takes us right to number three. You, I am gifted. He is breathed whoa, with divine breath into your lungs, into your soul, into your spirit. 
special talent, talent that only God himself can give to you. And he wants you to manage that talent. Peter says it this way in chapter 4, verse 10 of his first letter. God has given gifts to each of you. Would you say that word, each? That means you. Each. Not just me, not just the pastors, not just certain leaders, not just people who can play instruments. He's given gifts to each of you. Remember what the word all meant? All. You know what the word each means? Each. And he's given gifts to you. That means you way in the far back and you sitting here on the front row and and all across this room. You have been given gifts. God has given to each of you gifts from his variety of spiritual gifts. Here it is. Underline it if it's not already. Circle it. Manage them well. Why? So that God's generosity can flow through you. Manage them well. In this first church, the 12, they knew. Hey, we've got to manage these gifts. These gifts God has breathed into us. God has trained us. Jesus himself has discipled us. And we've got to manage the gifts. Listen, it's not that we're too big to wait on tables. But the gifts that we have, if we wait on tables, we will not have the capacity to do what we are called to do. And that's to preach the message of God's word. And as a result, it won't go forward. As a result, it won't multiply. This is not about the big boys saying we can't wait on tables. Mm -mm. This is about managing your gifts well. See, Peyton Manning, quarterback of the Broncos, playing in the Super Bowl this year. Second Super Bowl. The guy's a phenomenal quarterback. And at his age, he needs to manage his gifts well. Very well. He needs to do whatever it takes. Study. Do some physical rehab, whatever it takes to do. But when he draws back at the shotgun or comes back off the snap, three and drop, he is not going to be able to throw the ball and catch it at the same time. And that's where we are as a church. We've got too many leaders that are taking the ball and they're throwing it and they're catching it at the same time. Why? Because there's so many of us not managing the gifts and we're not willing to catch it. And God says, today is your day. It's draft day. You've signed. I've given you the gift to catch. Run with this thing. Find out where it is. Get on the field. Play. I mean, you, you can't do it all. The pastor cannot do it all. See, if the pastor's trying to study, and he's setting up tables, and he's got chairs going on, he's got a meeting over here he's teaching, he's got a class that he's teaching over here, and nobody is managing their gifts but just the select few, There is no capacity left in the pastor to study God's word. And by Saturday, you are going to benefit in a wrong capacity of what didn't happen in his life by the team not managing their gifts. Are you with me, church? And it says, manage them well. Catch the ball. Some of you need to be kickers. Some of you need to be blockers. Some of you need to be running back. Some of you need to be actually giving water to people because you've got the gift of helps. You've got the gift of serving. You've got the gift of giving. Manage them well. Don't let the quarterback anymore take the ball, throw it, and run as fast as he can so that he can catch it. And so by the end of the week, when it's game time, he has nothing left in the tank. That's where we are, folks. Because I know modern church is a paid staff. That's what the pastor's paid to do. No, it's not. Can I just tell you that in love? No, it's not. 
And these guys, the original 12, the original leaders of the church understood this. And so when they got everybody together, I had you underline this. Look at those words of verse 5 again. Everyone liked this idea. Have you ever been in the room with anyone where everybody liked anything? Because this is a solution that comes from the heart of God. And what the heart of God is doing today is saying, it's time for you, Susie. It's time for you, Larry. It's time for you, Robbie. It's time for you, Tim, to manage your gifts. I've given you gifts. Use them for the benefit of the church. Some of you are saying, well, I don't know what my gifts are. I've heard that so many times. You know how you find out what your gifts are? Get on the field and start playing. Just get in the game. And somebody that's a coach will point something out. Hey, and you can adjust. Anybody ever heard of Ryan Tannehill? He's a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He went to Texas A&M, drafted there, or actually picked, selected, if you will, as a quarterback. He got to Texas A&M. They had a phenomenal quarterback. So the coach looked at him catching some passes and said, hey, why don't you play wide receiver this first year? Now, Ryan Tannehill is playing quarterback today because that's his sweet spot. But he's playing in the NFL today because he didn't refuse when the coach said, play receiver. He could have sat back and said, uh-uh, I'm here to play quarterback, and I ain't doing nothing else. You know what the coach would have said? You can find another team. And unfortunately, that's what we have going on as a church, folks. So many of us want to do what we don't need to be doing, and so many of us aren't doing what we should be doing. And the Bible's saying, I'm just kind of driving this point home because I need you to get it. Manage your gifts well. Go after it. Get on the field. Make it happen. And when everybody agreed, got in the game, the church multiplied. Last one. Are you ready? Number four. I'm graded. Now, you ask any NFL player, what do you do when you're not practicing on the field? They will tell you, I mean, effective championship players, you know what they're doing when they're not on the field? They're watching film. They're grading each other. They're looking at where they didn't make that hole. They're looking at, I was too, and you know what they do? They take ownership of it. They look at each other in that play film room with these nice seats. It's like a theater if you've ever seen a film room. And they're looking at each other on the team. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's what's there. They're watching. They're saying, hey, I should have thrown that block a little bit deeper. I missed that gap. I didn't get there fast enough. Hey, you know what? That pass was way off and I should have thrown on my back. They're seeing what they could do to go back and manage their gifts a little bit better. But here it is in that grading. You know what they're doing? They're actually holding each other as a team. Here's the word. Accountable. We don't like that word. We've, we've used it negatively so often. But you know what they're doing as a team? Because this is what championship teams do. Because they realize they're champions. This is what churches have to do. They have to look at each other and they have to say, Hey, Jenny, you know something? I know you can do this. You are gifted. And I know that you can pull this out. You got it. I'm behind you. I got your back. I'm, and that's what they're doing. They're telling each other, you got a bigger game. You got more potential. You've got it in you. Why? Because God's breathed this inside of you. And the Bible says that through Christ Jesus in me, I can do what? All things. All things. 
That's what this whole part is about. Grading each other, holding each other accountable so that we can rise to be champions. Not grading each other, holding each other accountable so we can point out wrongs in each other. No, so we can edify and build up the church. Because here's the deal. And I close with this verse because it's pretty a sobering verse. Romans 14, 12. It's right there on your highlight, on your outlines. Each of us will give a personal account to God. Each of us will one day stand in the ultimate film room. And we will look at our creator in the face. And he's going to ask this question. What did you do with what I gave you? I put you on earth for this one specific purpose. What did you do with that talent? What did you do with that resource? What did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do? And you can respond three ways. You can say, well, I just complained. I just complained because I never wanted to do it. I, I personally don't want to stand before my Savior who breathed energy and life into me every day and give that reason. Or you can say, you know what, I compared. I, I was just never sad. I always wanted to be like, like the guy on the platform singing. I wanted to be up there. You know, I, I, I'll never be there. Because, I mean, after I speak, people ask me, do you have a cold? Because it's just a gravelly voice that you get when you talk over and over and over. But there's times I'm like, I wish I could do that. I sure wish I So are you just spending all your days comparing what you're not to who they are so that you can be something that you're not? Or the third response is, I didn't do nothing. And I know that steps on our toes, but I I just want one of them to hurt at least. That it might challenge you to do something. See, when I, when I step before God, and all of us will, and I don't mean this to be morbid, I just mean it to be challenging because it's truth. The Bible says this. Not one of us, not me, not you, none of us in this room are promised tomorrow. Today could be the day we step before God. Today, right now. When that happens, I want to look at the almighty God, my creator, my ultimate coach, the guider, the director, the alpha, omega, beginning and finisher of my faith, and say, with all I've got, I played the best game I could play. I played hurt. I mean, people betrayed me. People stabbed me in the back. It didn't bother. I played hurt, God. I played with braces on, cast, crutches. I was there. I didn't let rain keep me away. I didn't let the weather forecast. I played the game, Father. And I wanted to hear those words. Well done. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Go ahead. Come on in. Enter in. I've got so many rewards for you because I'm your owner. I've got things that you don't have any dream of. You never could imagine. They're just too good for you to imagine. Well done. So I'm asking you today, church, are you playing your best game? Are you contributing? Because here's the answer to the question. You know what happens when we all contribute? Come on. You know what happens? We multiply. And in God's eyes... That's how you win. When people receive Jesus, when they receive 
love and kindness because you're in the game. You're in the game. Are you playing your best game? In your programs, you got a communication card. Would you pull that out? Wave it at me. Come on, be in the game. Wave it at me. Everybody. Remember what everybody means? What does all mean? All. All of you. Come on. Thank you. I want you to fill this out. Maybe you've never filled one out. Maybe if I want everyone to do this today. We're going to be flooded with communication cards this week. Everybody fill out 100%. 100% participation. Are you with me? Why? Because there's a purpose here. If you're our guest, go ahead, fill it out. We're getting ready to receive an offering. And as our guest, we don't want you to give anything financial. We want this service to be a gift for you. I hope this service was a gift to you and a blessing to you. But as a guest, I'd like for you to put a communication card in. As a regular attender, put a communication card. Because this is what I want you to do as you're filling it out. On the, on the back side of this, it says, sign me up for. I want you to put down right now... And while the worship team sings this song during this moment, sign me up for kids ministry. Sign me up for welcome team. Sign me up for greeters. Sign me up for production. Sign me up behind us. Sign me. Put just, maybe just maybe you're gonna put, put me in the game wherever you need me. I'm a Ryan Tannehill. I'll play wide receiver. I'll play center. It doesn't matter. I just want to be in the game because I want to stand before my God and say I played well. And, and, and I want to get you into that sweet spot as you play so that you're fulfilled in what you are, the u- uniqueness in you. If you're already involved, you still have to turn one in because I want you to say, I'm already in the game. <laughs> I'm serving here because we want to celebrate that and pray for you that God will continue to give you energy, continue to give you strength to continue to serve and play your best game ever. Let me pray for you. As we get ready to receive the offering, the ushers come. And after I pray, the team is going to minister the song to you. The ushers are going to come. And as the baskets pass, once again, as our guest, please don't feel financially obligated to put anything in, just that communication card. But after that basket goes by, I want you to feel free to stand and just worship and just give God all of you. Maybe you can't fill that out right now, but you can take it with you, put it back. But put it in there. Just put in there. Hey, I'm praying about this. I want to be on the game. I don't know where, but I'm going to get there. Let me pray. Father, it it is such a privilege, Lord, for us to be in this place today together, friends and family, as a body, as a team. Lord, it's the best team ever right here. And you've put us here for such a time as this so we can play our best game and I know Lord that there's opposition on the field there's opposition on the team but we're going to play our best and we're willing to play hurt we're willing to play with braces on we're willing to just play because we know that our problems have divine purpose in taking us to who you've called us and created us to be And Lord, we want to play. So I pray right now, Father, for every person in this room and every seat and every capacity that you would speak a personal word and challenge. Lord, that they would be the best. Get on the field. Not let anything take them out of this game. I pray, Lord, that you'd protect them and that you'd speak into them personally, no matter what they've been through, what they've faced, that they're gifted. They've signed. And Lord, 
You've drafted them. And today you're calling them to rise to their best game ever. In Jesus' name, amen.